0: Right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Faithfully Engaged. Today, we have a guest on. Her name is Frida. And Frida, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So my name is Frida. I am the host of Finding the Faith, which is Thursday, 7 p.m. live on Rumble. I'm also an ex Jehovah's Witness, just trying to figure out the whole religious thing. But right now, I am a non-denominational Christian and I am a conservative.
0: Fantastic. So you are just all the bad things in the world. You are a terrible person. That's what I heard from you.
1: Yes. That. Yes. <laughs> I'm a racist. I'm not a Nazi. I'm all of it. <laughs> I'm
0: Fantastic. trouble. It's even my real yeah. name. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's start with, with your show first of Finding the Faith. <laughs> tell, tell us just a little bit uh, about that and why you decided to make that show.
1: So for the longest time, I really wanted to get into the podcasting space, but I wasn't entirely sure what I would podcast about. And then getting more and more into the culture war, I just a lot of it was kind of depressing, to be honest. It was like every new day would find out that this company was doing this bad thing or this group of people were engaging in this really horrendous thing. And it just felt nonstop, almost like you couldn't breathe with all of the craziness and, you know, literal culture war going on. And I wanted to find a place where we kind of get to know each other in the culture war, kind of this is who's fighting behind, like next to you in that foxhole, a place of encouragement where we would focus on the good and the beautiful and not so much the external craziness. That's just mind-blowing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I I think that's a great reason. And that's honestly a lot of um, what led me into making initially the Truth and Grace Counseling podcast, but also now into Faithfully Engaged, that as as Christians, as conservatives, I think we are rightfully concerned about things in the culture. And Mm. I don't think we should turn a blind eye or just act like everything's fine. That anger point oftentimes is necessary to realize no this is wrong that being said so much of the content out there is yep this is terrible and yeah then then what (laughs) like there's nothing else going on with that and I, i find that leads a lot of people to anger and apathy and it's not helpful it's something we need to know about but then go the next step so i really appreciate that you're trying to to do that to show um yeah there is there is encouragement we need to know the people that i love how you put in the foxhole um next to me um and really engage in that build each other up instead of did you see what aoc tweeted that was stupid (laughs) like that just doesn't help us too much
1: Exactly. And I've been so blessed by getting into this because, I I mean, I live in a blue state. It Mm -hmm. is, I mean, with the exception of our brunch place, which is very, very special to me. They have amazing waitresses. We love them all. Give them Christmas gifts every year. And they have like (laughs) Newsmax on while we're all like brunching, like trying to be normal people. (laughs) Um, but other than that there's not really a sane person in sight and so it's just been such a blessing to get to connect with like minded people who Mm -hmm. share the same values who share the same or similar journeys and the same experiences
0: yeah now I I don't want to put you on the spot too much but do you mind sharing what blue state that you're in
1: that's one of the things I don't do
0: yeah no fair enough Fair enough. With the uh, the craziness of the internet and people in the world, I don't blame you. I don't blame yeah. you with it.
1: <laughs> There's two things that you won't be able to figure out about me. I mean, you can like look in public records and stuff if like you really want to get into it. <laughs> but I don't say my state or my age or my last name because of what my husband does for work.
0: Ah, okay. gotcha. Well that hey, I'm I'm big on making the internet uh work for you instead of the other way around. Um the way that I probably do that the most is um my my wife and I we were both off of social media for years um yeah when we got married and that actually was fantastic and I kind of missed <laughs> miss those days. Um not Sam. that I it's not that i can't go back but once i started truth and grace counseling i was like i probably should have somewhat of an online presence just for business and um i am making it work better and this uh, i i actually on twitter um i hated twitter to no end before but i just say i've made my own little echo chamber and i realized that but it's made my life a whole lot easier <laughs> that my head yeah. doesn't hurt as much. As long as I recognize I'm in an echo chamber, I'm I'm okay. Um, so that's one way. And then another way is mm-hmm. um, I don't put any pictures of, of my kids who are the cutest little kids and I'd I would get all sorts are. of likes and retweets and stuff, but I, I don't want them. I don't, I don't, I don't trust people. So they're, yeah, they're not good. They're going to have a very low, internet profile so i will completely respect you on that i understand
1: i mean it's such a valid thing too because even if i mean let's say you have you know a really intense fan and you put down you know your kid's name let's say their name's like skylar or something (laughs) and they see you out and they're like oh skylar and then skylar's Mm -hmm. like how do you know my name hi like thinking it's a safe person because the person actually knows their name yeah. And obviously, there's a lot of stranger danger that goes into that, but it's just getting far too easy to be creepy these days if we're not, you know, minding our social media boundaries.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I actually had a guest on here recently. It's a fascinating conversation that he um, he's actually the the founder of this website called It that looks at uh, Reddit post and it can see if your post was shadow banned. And we were just talking through kind of shadow banning, what that means and kind of internet discourse. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but basically what we ended up getting down into is we are people. We need to make our individual, like our real life. When you're going to to brunch with people, um, make those relationships paramount. Those are more important. The internet relationships are great. That's how we're talking. It's fantastic. But don't let the internet take over your life. It is not exactly not worth it. Not worth it at all.
1: Exactly. I mean, in 2020, when I left my, business, my first business behind, I went completely off social media, left everything behind, deleted everything. And just not having Instagram for that short while, I didn't realize how much trying to not that i would necessarily keep up with the joneses but like mm-hmm. hearing all of these like cool new products and having mm-hmm. like those specialized ads and it's like oh wow when i don't have all of this materialism shoved down my throat pretty much 24 7 i don't really want to shop anyways because i like what i have and i'm yeah. blessed to have what i have
0: yeah and... no that's they know what they're doing <laughs> they, they absolutely know. know what they're doing
1: so if it wasn't for my podcast mentor, I honestly wouldn't have gotten an Instagram again. But he's like, you have to. And I'm like,
0: fine. Yeah. It, <laughs> so. it is kind of a necessary evil when you're doing yeah. doing things like this, un- unfortunately. But again, let's wield it for good. I would rather there exactly. be good content on Instagram than just all horrible, terrible things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which kind of leads into, um, I, I, I'm not on Instagram as much. I think I'm followed you on Instagram but I don't remember um but I know I I found you on Twitter and yeah, I was I was curious just with your handle named which is the based babe which I think is a fantastic Twitter handle um thank you. I was wondering if there's any story or, or or kind of what led you into to making that that handle
1: so it was a couple things initially um back in the 2015 like the years right around then I owned my own business called Boundary Babe. I did a lot of work with women, helping them with their, you know, boundaries, their femininity, trying to have healthier relationships with others. Cause at the time I was also a psych major and I had gone through a lot of stuff that helped me really understand boots on the ground wise, how all of that worked. So I was really able to help people like that, but then 2020 came and my Business being a luxury business, kind of, it didn't make it through COVID. And honestly, retrospectively, I'm glad because that space was getting so woke that people were upset that I was spelling, you know, women's coaching W A, sorry, W O M A N instead of W O M X N. And like all of this stuff is getting shoved down my throat. And I'm like, you know what? I'm out. Bye. (laughs) <laughs> like, if you're guys gonna get like consistently have these all these problems with me, I'm just I'm I'm gonna see myself out. And then I really kind of took a step back. I was like, what matters to me the most? Like what truly are my values? And I realized that I've always been, you know, a kind of mainline conservative. I've had some, you know, libertarian-esque escapades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's always been about family. It's always been about femininity, faith, freedom. And my, like we had to do presentations when I was in high school. Cause I went through like their career technical education program. They were like, so what are you going to do with your life? And I was like, they were expecting like dental assistant or doctor or nursing practitioner. And I was like, I want to be a wife and do a lot of volunteer work. And they were like, "Why did you take this?" And I was like, "Because now if my husband gets hurt, I can fix him." <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I, you know that's that's so interesting. Kind of your your discussion there, um, and especially with your, I, I like talking to somebody that's in a um, in a blue state like you are, because I am the reddest of all the red like i'm in i'm in rural oklahoma like it it really can't get that much more red like we're the red part of a red state so i have heard that they
1: have like amazing art museums in oklahoma is that true
0: they have what that
1: amazing art museums
0: there are some um especially in tulsa um there there's some really good ones Uh, i'm blanking on uh what the big ones called it's something with the with the g i can't can't remember what it is, but um, anyways, uh, yeah, there's some Sorry. really great ones. No, that's that's a that's a great question. There's there's some good ones in Oklahoma City too. So yeah, we're not all uh, out in a in a wheat field, and uh, you know, there's absolutely yeah. nothing, but um, yeah, there's some great art. There's some there's some really cool things in the state. And what's neat about Oklahoma City and and mm-hmm. Tulsa is, well, yes, it is more liberal. There's no way around that. It's still red we i believe we're the only state in 2016 to vote all red in the presidential election and i know we did again in 2020 but i don't know if we were the only one but um yeah it was very conservative that being said mm-hmm. i'm generally a harsher critic on conservative states and conservative just culture um in part because i i am I am in a conservative state. I am more conservative. And I care about conservatives and, and kind of this culture more. It means more to me. So it's kind of like with my kids. I'm going to be more critical on my kids than someone else's kids. Yeah, exactly. And with that, in real super conservative culture, what you were kind of describing there of like kind of more of a feminist type of mindset, like you just want to do this to care for your husband? What's wrong with you? You know, that kind of mm-hmm. mindset. Yeah, that happens in Blue states, sure. But it happens here, too. And one in particular instance, um, I, I, we're actually in Sunday school. So, mm-hmm. again, we're in Sunday school in rural Oklahoma. That just needs to be yeah. said here. Um, it's very my, important context exactly my my wife was a teacher at the time and at the time we weren't planning on homeschooling our kids and now we are but she was saying that she was planning on taking um time off of work to be a stay at home mom um and she said she was going to do that until the kids were were older so she was planning on like 10 years of being off of out of work um and we don't expect everybody to say like oh everyone has to do that so that wasn't the issue but it was the shock like whoa you're taking 10 years off like that was like the most foreign idea ever in Sunday school in rural Oklahoma so these kind of general cultural mm-hmm. um drifts of, of of feminism and and things of that nature um they exist here that sometimes we think, oh, that happens in California, that happens in mm-hmm. New York, that doesn't happen here. It does, it absolutely does. And in fact, it's a it can be quite more dangerous here in a red state because we kind of have the blinders on. Um, we, we think it can't happen here, and no. it, it does, it very much does here. Uh,
1: but that's really awesome that your wife. Is- it's having the opportunity to do that because that's one of like my personal financial, you know, dreams. Cause like right now I'm a homemaker and when that, you know, time comes for us to have kids, we are planning on homeschooling. We're planning on me taking that time off until yeah. they can have more of a handle on their homeschooling. And I just like help them like work from home while they're doing that yeah. because the best part of schooling for me from everything was when I was homeschooled Mm -hmm. and my best friends growing up were homeschooled and it was just such an amazing culture and all the amazing things that they got to participate in.
0: Is that something with, especially since you had your own homeschooling uh, experience growing up, is that something you've always wanted to do eventually for your kids or has that changed over the years?
1: It's been one of those, maybe we'll check it out. Like, Let my husband take the lead, let him see what he thinks. Kind of leaving it in his hands kind of things. But then as more and more and more crazy books were put in the library and more teachers were having grooming charges against them and Mm -hmm. more psyops and terrible (laughs) things going on were going on, I mean... We were like, there's really only one way to do this if we're going to yeah. have kids because they're going to be our most important investment in the world. Like, they're not our property. They're, they belong to God, but also at the same mm-hmm. time too, we're called to be faithful stewards in everything we have from our skin to our kids to our homes and everything else. Yes. And it felt like it was the only responsible way to do it. And I know that not everybody is able to make the sacrifices and I know that not everybody has the privilege. But I think there's definitely some ways where you can make certain things happen, especially if you leave in God's hands. Yeah. And that's what we intend to do. Especially because it's just it's one of those things, you know?
0: I, I I think for you, what kind of what you're you're getting at here, um, you're right. And I'm I'm big on this too, of not a oh, look at me. I'm homeschooling. I got to stay at home my wife. Your family has to look exactly like mine. No, I I don't think that. What I do think though, is the notion, particularly with women. And I, I actually have made this a focus of my, of my counseling practice of working specifically with homeschool moms, because there's so many new homeschool moms out there that are like, oh, crud, this, there's bad stuff going on. And They are they have the deer in the headlights look like I can't Mm -hmm. do this, I don't have an education in this, I can't teach my kids. And I think it's just really important to, before you have kids, if you have Mm -hmm. that ability to prepare, if it's something you want to do, prepare financially, prepare Mm -hmm. you know, look at some homeschooling curriculum or ask a homeschool mom of what that what do they do that works like.
1: I don't literally not. already have the curriculum picked out. and I'm not even pregnant yet.
0: Well, there you go. <laughs> A perfect example of don't wait. Like, just make the commitment. If you are ready to make the commitment to do it, make the commitment first and then make it happen. Most of the times you are the limiting factor there and not your circumstances. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that's 100 percent, but. If you truly think you and your husband, it's best for you to homeschool your kids. There more than likely is a way to get it done. You, you just have to make that commitment.
1: Exactly, and I think it's going to be really helpful too because my sister in law, she has two kids. I'm an aunt of two, and they are. They're just amazing. <laughs> my um my nephew caught a fish for the first time a couple days ago. So the whole family's been excited about that. But he yeah. um she's homeschooling her kids. And so we hope she'll be able to move closer in the future to kind of homeschool our kids all together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the beauty of homeschooling too, that I think a lot of parents are starting to realize you don't have to make it a little miniature public school in your house make it what works if you have family nearby do it together if you have friends trade off teach different classes join a co-op like there's all sorts of different ways to do it don't limit yourself into like you have to just have them get your own chalkboard and have them sit down for eight hours a day and do it exactly like you do at at public school no like don't exactly in
1: I'm not trying to throw shade to anyone, but if you're doing the chalkboard and desk route and you're doing the, here's the worksheets, do the worksheets. It has to be kind of like training for a nine to five, but inside our own home, mm-hmm. you're missing the point. You're missing the opportunity and you're missing the experience that it really could be with connecting with your child.
2: Yeah, And
1: I know it can be you know, hard at first because I've helped parents who are homeschoolers. I've helped, like, I've been a homeschooler for a small portion of my education, but I just think that it's really crucial because I think, I mean, to a degree of, thankfully, I've had both sides of, like, being homeschooled and not being homeschooled. Mm-hmm. And when I was in public school, I would go and I would learn things all about, like, evolution and, like, all these things that, you know, are scientific theories, but they don't present on the other side of the theory and everything and then after that, I would get home and I would have to sit for five hours reading about all why the things I just learned for the past eight hours in school were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's like, if you don't program your kids with what the world has to say and think, then you won't have to deprogram your kids.
0: That's a great point. That I, I think you nailed it there that it's the ideologies of the world and not just the bad teacher. Um, the one rotten apple type of type of concept. And I, I want to be careful with that. Like, I know there's great teachers out there. I have family Absolutely. members that are teachers The the system is working against them and yeah. y- you don't want to put the system just into your home. Like you're saying, you can, you can teach them about, if you're a Christian, teach them about God, like make that, a massive part of their education. How cool is that? You have that ability to do it. Um, And and even on the more practical levels, um, with my three-year-old, my my daughter, how we're going to educate her is different than with my one-year-old son. Absolutely. My daughter loves to go and pick flowers. Go have her on a day when she's it's nice outside. We're going to go pick a dandelion and think of all the things we can do with that. We can look at the science of the dandelion um, and, and kind of inspect that. We can make dandelion the spelling word of the day. Um, mm-hmm. We can look at the grammar. What, what type of word is dandelion? We just did that exactly. by picking something out of the backyard. Exactly. It's limitless what you can do. So don't, exactly. don't limit yourself.
1: You can even have like a little field guide book like mm-hmm. that you make for yourself. I've actually gotten into making my own books with book finding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a DIY nerd, but and you can like <laughs> press like the flower and then uh-huh. have like, look back at it at the end of the year and look at all the flowers you want there.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I had another guest on here recently. Um, uh, She kind of on Instagram goes by uh, sweet sequels, has her own little shop there. And she talked about that they have a unique setup that they do like a hybrid. So half the week they're at this private school and half the week they're at home. Like, again, there's just so many different ways and there's, I know that can be overwhelming. That's the easy part of home or Mm -hmm. uh, public school or even just normal private school. Yeah. They go to school, they get their school list and then they come home and that's it. Um, So I know that can be overwhelming, but yeah, you can do, you can speak so much truth and life and fun into your kids. And that's what I try to get parents to do is realize, no, it's not just this, oh man, I'm obligated because they're shoving all this ideology down my kid's throat. Yeah, maybe you start there, but let's finish with all the wonderful, beautiful things that are presented there
1: exactly and i feel like sometimes there can be kind of that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. if you will when it comes to parents being like oh well i don't have an education background yeah. and i'm fortunate because i do actually i worked in education in a lot of years but a lot of parents don't have that you know kind of experience and so they yeah. look at themselves and they're like i'm just a parent and it's like no you are a parent that is mm-hmm. a blessing nobody knows your child better than you do yeah and when it comes to all of the different curriculums, they absolutely can be overwhelming. There's like so much to them. But because of the fact that you are the parent, you know your child the best, you know your child's better than anybody else. And because of that factor, you can go this curriculum with these aspects of it is the exact way that my child learns. And so they're not gonna be stuck on this topic, not being able to grasp it more fully because it's in this type of curriculum in that way, it really helps not only free you up as a parent, but you know that your child's getting the best education because of the fact that you're the one educating them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I just think we're, you're, like you said earlier, missing the picture. If it's just a out of fear, I don't want the LGBTQ, whatever agenda shoved on my kid. That's fine to be a starting place. And, and, and I'll... To kind of back up, some of the listeners may have heard this from me before. My wife and I, our starting place was this story we heard. We were listening to uh, to Ali Beth Stuckey's podcast. This is like 2019 or something. And she shared the story of a public school. I believe it was in Madison, Wisconsin. And where they were... uh, I think just socially transitioning this child. So calling like, I think they even called this child a completely different name. And I don't even remember which sex of the child this was, but we'll just say for sake of argument, you have a little girl and Mm -hmm. they call your little girl, a little boy at school. And then they go back home and they never told you that they were calling your little girl, a little boy. Um, And we heard that story like, Oh no, that, that doesn't fly. I, I, I don't like that. And yeah. that was the precipice for us to really dig deeper into this. And mm-hmm. while that was our starting point, that's not where it stayed. Um, it went so much deeper. And now, yeah, we have our uh all of our curriculum bought too. And um, we're already doing um for for my uh three-year-old and honestly starting to do with my my one-year-old. Um, we have some Uh, Different uh, Baptist catechisms that we're doing with them of, uh, like my daughter will will ask, uh, "Who made you?" and she'll say, "God made me," and it's awesome. Like my my little three year old is quoting some scripture and things like that, and that's that's education. She's not she's not quote kindergarten, but we're already educating her, and it's awesome. So exactly, don't just live in that fear. Understand the joy that that it can really bring.
1: Exactly. There's so much good and beautiful out there, especially if you open your mind and your heart and let God guide you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know we talked just real briefly off air of kind of your, your faith journey and uh, kind of a a spoiler alert for those out there. It's, it's quite the doozy. So kind of just start with us a little bit of, yeah, what, What was your faith journey? What did that that all look like for you?
1: So I was born to an Irish Catholic single mother in Ireland. She was originally from Boston. I am a naturalized citizen. So before I got on the plane, just in case, didn't want me to end up in purgatory, they made sure I was baptized with some family members at one of the churches in Ireland. And then I came over to this country with the help of my grandfather's friends, the Kennedy's. Yes, those kind of days, and I was baptized in the Boston Archdiocese, mm-hmm. which fun like super random fact because it's kind of cool how I always like managed to be just a couple steps away from like Kevin Bacon like greatness kind of thing. <laughs> my childhood pa- um my childhood priest, Father Jack, was actually when they were doing the um for like the you know how they like anoint the pope or with the red smoke, yeah. I'm no longer Catholic, so I'm not trying to commit, like, heresy <laughs> or anything. But he was in succession to potentially be the Pope.
0: Oh, wow. Which,
1: to me, is, like, so wild. that like, my childhood priest, who we're actually going to be naming our son after in the future. My husband's family tends to make boys, so we plan for both <laughs> a bunch of <laughs> um, we're So, yeah. So, he almost became the Pope. And then... When my mom unfortunately ended up getting cancer, passing away, I was left to be inherited by her older sister, who had never wanted kids and made that really apparent every day I existed. And she basically told me, Oh, if you're a really good girl and you do all these things, you can see your dead mom again. And I was like, I'm seven. Of course I want to see my dead mom again. That's my mom and so because of that I kind of she if you ask her her version of the story she says that she offered me to get me a babysitter or to go with them and I was in survival mode and I was a people pleaser and I was like you go to three meetings every week and you're gone for a long time. It's going to be really expensive to keep me around and not stick me in foster care. If you like have to keep paying for babysitters. So I guess I'll just go with you. So I go. And at this point, my mom was still alive, but she was in the hospital and there was so much love bombing that took place. It was insane. Like the amount of love bombing, but because I was seven, I just thought everybody was really nice and everybody really liked me. And I was like, okay, there's a bunch of free candy and people being nice to me. Of course, I love it. Like, okay, I'm going to get all this candy and gifts to my dead mom again. It's great. And so I went through that. I went through kind of their hierarchical steps. First, I became an unbaptized publisher, which is basically Jehovah's Witness speak for, if I talk to you about Jehovah, I get to count 15 minutes or however long we spoke on a little sheet and get a little pat on the head from the elders. Yeah, and then after that, I got baptized at nine years old because I was running out of things I could do, like, in that hierarchy, kind of and then after that I auxiliary pioneered which is doing 50 hours every month going around and door knocking. Did that several several times so imagine me being in high school and not only holding down a part-time job which was like three days a week but going to three meetings a week and then also, doing 50 hours of that community service on top of doing the other community service, which was called the Regional Building Committee, which is going around and doing all of this like unpaid labor for them to build more Kingdom Halls and do stuff like that. Pretty tiring and probably explains why I can't actually relax.
0: Goodness.
1: Well staying on honor roll, of course, because anything else was just, you know,
0: unacceptable.
1: It brought less than glory for God.
0: So that is you know, I I've heard of Jehovah's Witness, and know a little bit of study, but um it's as work based to the core as as it can get. Yep. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. So so you're you're caught in that. You're just working your way to heaven, so to speak. Yep. Um, then what? How, how, how do you get out of that?
1: So I got in trouble for kissing a boy because I was a rotten little tramp in their eyes. And I had to go and sit in front of three men, a bit older than yourself, and tell them, oh, yes, when that boy kissed me, I did kiss him back. Well, my aunt and uncle were on either side of me. And then, when I did other teenage things, I got in more trouble because I was trying to just figure things out. Because I was like, okay, this is what this says, but this is what this says. But like, other things are telling me this. So I was like trying to figure it out while still managing to be a good noodle. Because I also, even though I never asked for it, was annoyingly the person that all of the other parents held their kids up to be, why can't you be more like Frida? And I'm like, no, your kid's awesome just the way they are. Let them live. <laughs> I didn't ask for this. And then everybody hated me. And I was like, well, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I thought, so because of those transgressions during my teenage years, I wasn't allowed to pioneer to do 70 hours a month, every month. Um, for an entire year, I wasn't allowed that privilege. And I had based my entire like post high school experience off of that. I was going to pioneer for a year and then I was going to go and get some more like training and education and do some other stuff. And I had gotten to that point and I was like, I can do it. I can do it. Like it's going to, it's going to be great. And they're like, no, because she kissed a boy a couple of years ago. So everybody still thinks you're a tramp. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not cool. No, thank you. Like, like he was cute. It was my birthday. I don't know. <laughs> no, but actually, like, my first kiss was literally a Taylor Swift song.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was, like, on the riverbank of, like, my aunt's property as the sun was setting on my 13th birthday. Can't make that stuff up. <laughs>
0: That's awesome.
1: <laughs> a boy who was so southern, I couldn't pronounce his last name. <laughs> like I wasn't sure what he was signed, but anyways, I digress. Um, so I finally kind of just throw myself into like work post high school, do a bunch of volunteer work, do what I can do to kind of prove myself that like I'm worthy of being able to be a pioneer. Yeah, because a lot of the brothers would only look would only look at you to be potential marriage material if you were a pioneer. So I was like, I want to get married. I want to get myself a husband. I have to pioneer. I have to like, do all the things. And during that year, I was just like, mm, nah. Because my aunt got really sick and had some severe mental health problems. Mm-hmm. And it was just, my uncle believed her that she was a prophetess. And that she was going to bring about Armageddon. And I was like, no, I don't even have to have taken that one high school psychology class to tell you that she's having a break from reality. Mm -hmm. So I had to help her with that. And the more I saw this and the more I saw the interplay with the elders and how everybody was handling things. And just watching me be the one little teeny bopper teenage girl who somehow got like shoved into this position (laughs) without, you know, giving me the love and protection that I desperately needed. I was like, this isn't a place for me. Mm. And I just felt so haunted by it. And so I was like, well, maybe maybe if I pioneer and I go out and I try to prove that Jehovah exists to everybody else, I'll prove it to myself. Maybe. And I finally got the opportunity. I even got to do cart witnessing, which for those of you who don't know, it's like a really big deal. You have to be more special than a pioneer to be able to go and stand by the carts and do the witnessing and being like, Hey, sir, businessman. I know you're on a business meeting, but here, take this. Just like shove a magazine in your hands. And the thing is a lot of the people who are Jehovah's witnesses are lovely people who are honestly Being spiritually oppressed. So, when I say my experience, there's two things I don't want people to take away. I don't want them to take away that I was some sort of victim. I'm a survivor. I survived and I escaped that call. And I also don't want them to be mean and nasty to Jehovah's Witnesses because a lot of them don't know what they're doing. They're doing the best that they can and doing what they're told because a lot of times their family's in there or they have a lot of reasons for being stuck in there because when you grow up in it or even when like you can't go out and have friends that aren't part of your religion and it's their way of controlling you even further so that when you eventually do leave if you do get to leave thankfully there's been record numbers but you lose everything I lost my best friend of 10 years I lost my hairdresser I mean let me tell you I did stay to get my final round highlights I like match that perfectly because like I don't trust a lot of people with my hair but I lost all of my little friends I lost all of my babysitting clients I lost Mm. everything and then because of the fact that I hadn't grown up around my family it was just I didn't really have anybody except for my husband Mm. because the way this whole thing worked was I was pioneering I was doing great and then I met my husband, and I was like, I mean, this is obviously the man I want to marry. He is the most Christ-like man I've ever met. He has an amazing work ethic. He is so hilarious, and I mean, he's
0: gorgeous. Like,
1: <laughs> like I used to more, know how like more
0: gorgeous than the thirteen-year-old on the riverbank, though.
1: Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I met him that summer before I started pioneering and I was just like oh my gosh I walked over to him and mind you as a Jehovah's Witnesses aren't actually Christian but like there's a lot of similarities in the social awkwardness of young actual Christian girls and young Jehovah's Witness girls and I had that and I walked over to him because he was picking up my favorite camper and I was like hi I'm Miss Frida. (laughs) and he's like hi miss frida and he like immediately made fun of me and i was like yes i'm gonna marry him (laughs) 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 and i did so like it worked out but so we started like being friends and i was like i really need to see about the whole jehovah's witness thing because if i go this way i'm gonna lose everything Mm -hmm. so i was a bit afraid to go that way but the more we got to know each other the more he held space for me emotionally and held space for my growth and my healing and everything else, the more it was undeniable. That mm. it was it was inevitable. So I was pioneering, I was kind of fibbing on my like here's here's the thing. When you're escaping your occult, I'm sure you already know this, which is for the audience, yeah. you're in ultimate survival mode. You do things that you are not proud of, but you do them to survive. Sure. So, yes, I was, as a 20-year-old, sneaking out my window to Miranda Lambert Music, jumping over the thorn bush and tucking and rolling into his passenger seat because I wasn't allowed to date him. So, as a 20-year-old, I was going to do what I was going to do. <laughs> And I was fibbing on my time cards, and I mean that's not a good thing, objectively. But it's what I had to do to make sure that I would be physically and financially and all the other types of safe. And so it was—it was brutal.
0: How how long of a process and this kind of kind of limbo of sorts that i'm having to fake this but i'm uh dating my to-be husband over here like how long of a process did that take
1: about six months Hmm. the worst six months of my life (laughs) i to get out on saturday nights i pretended i was learning i mean i knew enough portuguese to pretend that i was learning portuguese and going to the portuguese (laughs) meeting it's not good I'm doing a lot better morally and ethically now (laughs) that I can afford the luxury of morals and ethics sure but yeah so it was a whole thing and that was kind of when I kind of proved to myself if I haven't been struck down by lightning yet if I haven't been caught yet if I haven't been anything yet then I don't think Jehovah's are actually a real god Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. And what really hit the nail on the head for me was they have these things called circuit assemblies, which is when a bunch of congregations from a certain area get together. And all of these people, like they give like these big important speeches and all sorts of stuff like that.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, so I'm going to that and I, I'm not paying attention because I just, I can't at this point, I can finally hear the propaganda that's breaking through my brainwashing. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm, this is so uncomfortable. I think I'm going to throw up. (laughs) Does anybody have a Xanax or something? Because I'm going to like pass out and like have a panic attack. Um, And somebody walked up to me and they were like, hey, I heard your story about you and your aunt and how you're being such an amazing person by taking care of her. I think there's a lot of people in our, you know, in this organization that have sick parents that could really learn from your example meanwhile I was doing all of this stuff Mm -hmm. that I was raised to believe wasn't what you were supposed to be doing and I was like me and he's like you and I was like oh and I've been like writing for like the local paper and like then they wanted me to like write for the awake magazine Mm -hmm. which they have two magazines that kind of go around and pass out the watchtower on the awake Mm -hmm. and I was like You want me to do what? (laughs) And that's when I knew that if not the big head honcho from Bethel himself, that if you ask some Jehovah's Witnesses would probably tell you he could walk on water. If he didn't know what I was doing, if he -hmm. didn't have some like magical sixth sense of like figuring out how I was not being the best noodle I could be, then that's when kind of the facade of everything just kind of came crumbling down and I was like yeah nah and it got to the point where one day I was found out I had my they were coming out because we were late coming back Hmm. and that Sunday morning and I was like I'm gonna be in so much trouble and then my stiletto just out on the floor and i was like kind of grab at it well they were like looking in the car and i was like oh my god oh my god it's over but then i was like no you know what it's it's over and so they made me they dragged me before the elders because the thing is there's a couple ways to get out you can be pimo which is physically in mentally out you can be um homie <laughs> these are just like weird acronyms because it makes <laughs> like it makes more sense but it's easier to type out on like social media but sure. um physically out mentally in, like you're tr- disfellowshipped but you're trying to come back because you can either get dissociated or disfellowshipped dissociated is when you break up with them disfellowshipped is when they kick you out
0: uh, okay
1: and so i was initially i was just gonna kind of like run away a little but i was just gonna like just not be there you know this just, just is gonna be fine it was not fun mm-hmm. and they dragged me before them and they were like asking all these really intimate intimate questions like questions that if you imagine like guys like locker room talk about how a certain thing went down you would not be that crass mm-hmm. and i'm uh. just this 20 year old girl sitting behind like in front of these three men who are in like their 50s and 60s with both of my aunt and uncle next to me. And I'm just like, mm. I don't believe in Jehovah anymore. I don't know if I believe in God at this point. I mm. have gone through all of this. I've done my best to do all of the things I can do. I'm here. I'm car witnessing. I'm pioneering. I'm writing for the awake. I'm doing all of this stuff and giving my entire life to the organization and giving my entire life to God. And I'm not getting anything back. Mm. And I'm not even getting good, happy serotonin. <laughs> like I'm getting nothing. I'm yeah. getting pain. I'm getting frustration. I'm getting lies. And I'm not here for it. So I think I'm going to leave. And I'm going to go be with my, you know, my future husband. And that's just going to be that. Hmm. And they kept pressing and pressing and pressing to a point where I felt like, because of who they were, I had to answer their questions. Although I realize now. That I didn't have to answer their questions, but I was a scared twenty-year-old girl.
0: Sure, and well, a, a scared twenty-year-old girl too. With this is this is all you know. This is this is your life. So that that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and so I answered them, and then they like kicked us out of the room. We sat in like the main hall because they have like a main hall, and then they have like kind of a little back conference room. And they had a conference about it. They were like, "No, we're kicking her out." And mm. at the end, I just said, "It's been nice knowing you. I love you guys mm. because I meant it. Because yeah. yes, I might have had wildly different worldview than they did, but I still cared about them and hoped that their lives and their wives and their kids and everything worked out the, the way the way like the way they wanted it to be, even though they had put me in the situation, even though." They didn't particularly help when I ended up having to, you know, 5150 my aunt when she thought she was calling about Armageddon and I was talking to them from inside a closet. And it was was a whole thing and it was so brutal that I was like, I think the only person that can protect me is me and I'm going to go do that. Hmm. And so I got this fellowship, nobody could talk to me, it was a whole, like a full on... It was like a medieval shunning. Hmm. And I was like, "It, it is what it is. And then people would come over to like talk to my aunt and uncle or like they were friends with them. And they'd be like, come back to Jehovah. We miss you. And it's like, you didn't speak to me early for like six years. <laughs> like the past six years, we have barely spoken. But now, all of a sudden... I matter so much to you because I'm trying to protect myself. Mm. And it was always the same like older like brothers that had previously gotten disciplined for doing sketchy things with their stepkids. <laughs> and then like the elder who was initially on my first judicial committee, which is what like the committee is called when they like meet and they're like, "So, you're bad. Tell us how bad you are." I was out dancing with some of my girlfriends from high school because I was trying to, like, meet new people and just, like, make friends and stuff. Yeah. And two of them came in, and he was, like, grinding and dancing on my friend, and I'm like, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) So I, like, tap him on the shoulder, and I'm like, hey, what's up? And he looked like he saw a ghost and was just, like, dying, and I was like, yeah, mm mm-hmm. I know why I'm here. I can be mm. here. I don't have to play by your rules, but you do. You're literally mm. within the top part of the hierarchy of your congregation. Why are you here? Mm. And so during that point, I was just fellowshiped, and It was really hard because my aunt and uncle weren't really talking to me, mm. even though I lived there, because I they were so like hyper, um, I'm sure there's like a psychology word for it they were like helicopter parents pretty much yeah yeah and they wouldn't let me get my license they wouldn't let me do anything so i could go away and get out and move on and that made it even harder when they came to me one day and they were like the elders told us that if you're not going to serve jehovah in this house that we need to make sure you go away and that you go and leave this house and don't live here anymore and i'm like Mm
2: -hmm.
1: what okay But because of the fact that they frowned so much on education, they frowned so much on like they themselves individually frowned so much on me getting my license, and not helping me have any of the resources that most normal families would help their kids have, so that they could like progress in mature when they weren't desperately afraid that you'd leave them. They, I was just at a loss. I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. So I was homeless for a little bit. Wow. I like went from couch to couch to couch and then my father-in-law allowed me to move in and we had just gotten engaged because my husband he was like okay if you're leaving literally everything behind for me which he made sure he's like I love you very much I will do whatever you need me to if you can't leave if you don't feel like leaving is the right thing to do I will understand that and you will be the love of my life that got away. Hmm. It just it it is what it is and he never forced me to make any choices or anything that i was uncomfortable with at any point in our relationship and still 10 years like it'll be 10 years next september to this day he still hasn't he's just loved me and provided for me and protected me and it was such a stark contrast to how i grew up
0: Hmm. and Uh, so I, i i i'm sure you're you're getting to this but Thus far in the story, incredible of a story as it is. Um, it mm-hmm. almost reminds me of kind of the uh, uh, Scientology stories, you know, uh, of just people getting out and it was a cult and it really affected me. Incredibly powerful, but often for many reasons and reasons I couldn't uh, blame them. I'm out of religion completely. No more I'm out of here. Um, if this is what God is, I don't want any part of it. So, how does that work? I get out of this cult where this is just shoved down my throat. How, how do you? How do you? How do you find God after that? What, what's the next step after that?
1: I so obviously you, with your career and everything, know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So the bottom tier. I got the bottom tier of survival set in. I had a place to live. I had a job. I had food. I had what I needed. Then I worked up kind of the pyramid. Maybe in editing, we can like show a little thingy of it or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Um.
1: Not trying to tell you how to live your life. <laughs> but
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. So I kind of got that dialed in. And when I felt like I could shake my contacts out, before i went to bed at night Hmm. and actually breathe that's when i started crying and i didn't quite know how to but my heart knew and so i drifted back to my catholic days i drifted back to you know, the prayers that my mom would get on her knees right in front of the big portrait of Jesus that lay over my bed in our gorgeous penthouse overlooking Fenway Park, and would pray. And I went back to that. I found those words in my heart again and I said them because I knew that no matter what was going on with me. If God was the real, if God was out there, I mean, now I know that he is very much, but just yeah. like where I was back then kind of, that his plans for the world, for myself, if I was fortunate enough to be of among them, were so much bigger than anything I was going through. Hmm. It was so much bigger. It was so much better. And what was on the other side of that was so much more crucial and poignant than anything i had ever come up against mm. and so i knew that all it took was gr- like the faith the size of a mustard seed which is like super super teeny and yeah. if i could have that and if i could hold that in my heart the good things would happen that i would feel that love that i would feel that protection and i would feel that safety because uh, my sunscreen's like getting in my eyes and it's making my eyes water, which is not a coping mechanism. I promise you. <laughs> <sighs> sorry about that. That's um, good. And so I knew that if I just did a little bit and gave a little bit, that he would give a little bit. Mm-hmm. Can we actually pause right here? Cause I literally yeah. am having like, no, I you're am good. so sorry. It no, genuinely is sunscreen will be right back i had faith the side of a mustard seed that scripture kind of always stuck with me in my heart and i never had hatred for god i just had more confusion because the god that they taught me that jehovah was was not the god that i was brought up with for the first five years of my life believing what jesus was I have vivid, vivid memories skipping around my little Catholic preschool, the little Catholic Montessori preschool that was right across the street and going, you know, Jesus loves me this I know because the Bible tells me so. <laughs> like I love Jesus. And I feel like it would be so easy for anyone coming out of Jehovah's Witnesses to really hate God. <laughs> I mean, that's one of my biggest issues I have with Jehovah's Witnesses. I mean, there's a lot of, like, theological things. There's a lot of, like, other things. There's a lot of, like, personal past experience things. The latter, which have mostly held from things to therapy. But it just, I have this real, to be like, okay, you, I'm not here to tell you what religion you're supposed to be, but just whatever you do, please don't become a Jehovah's Witness. Because that will hurt your relationship with God. And because of all of the horrible things I've seen during my time there and the horrible things that I researched that kind of clicked in my head afterwards, like there were certain pictures that they had in their, you know, publications. And I was like, why does this picture of Jesus make me feel so uncomfortable? Like it's a picture of Jesus. Is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with like my hot posture that I have to correct that I'm just like, I don't know doing something bad because like that's where your mind goes to when a picture of Jesus makes you feel uncomfortable and then I found that same picture after I came out and if you put that picture up to a mirror it's literally the head of a demon
2: good grief
1: yeah yeah and that's not the only picture that's like that it's not the only satanic thing in the religion i know you're baptist but baptists have communion right
0: um yeah so we we don't uh uh, it kind of depends on the church we do communion at my church every week um but Mm -hmm. yeah we do communion
1: so with the communion wafer and the wine you might have have you heard of the memorial the one holiday jehovah's witnesses have
0: yeah 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 yeah
1: a lot of people have been invited through it, throughout the years. Um, that celebration is literally. So part of it is a theological misrepresentation. And a part of it is. Satanic, honestly. So the theological representation is they believe that the 144,000 isn't chosen out of the 12 tribes of Judah, but instead chosen out of random Jehovah's Witnesses that like have a mental calling, vision, dream kind of thing, and it's 144,000 cents 1914, and because of that, if you're not a part of the 144,000, you take the communion, you hold it in your hands on, like, the plate, because they use, like, unleavened, like, wafer cracker kind of thingies, but they're different from the one that I grew up with in the Catholic Church, so they're, like, slightly different, but Basic idea. And you take that and you pass that. So you basically go through the act of refusing communion on the one holiday that Jehovah's Witnesses have. And then they read the scriptures and then you do the same with the line.
0: Wow. That is so... Yeah, you can really see the uh, uh, satanic type of things that go into that because that is the... Like you said, the exact opposite of of what we would celebrate. Um, Yeah. Regardless of your
1: denomination, if you're in Christianity, you observe communion by taking it and it becoming part of you, not by passing it forward and rejecting it. And it always struck me as weird that, like, it was such a somber energy. It was Mm -hmm. more funeral-like than more somber than sacred i guess because you'd think okay tonight is the night specifically set aside to commemorate what jesus has done for us that he gave his life and that you know god the father yeah so that he gave his only begotten son the only son directly created by him that we might be saved that we might have the gift of eternal you know Depending on like different theological points. But like that we have a chance and how, no matter like no matter how much we're imperfect, as long as you know we do the things that the Bible tells us to do, you'd think there'd be some happiness in that. Yeah. You'd think there'd be some like reverence and like sacredness, not some somber you're going to like a funeralishness. And that's how it yeah. always was.
0: Well, I think that's something that you get into with, um, I, I think it's part of what makes Christianity stand out as a whole. Um, obviously, there's different theological beliefs and differences yeah. and denominations, but it isn't a works-based religion. Um, it, it's 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 faith-based. It's not about, uh, and in fact, I was uh, just on a, a guest on another podcast this morning, and it uh, they used a great phrase of, it's not what you know it's who you know it's that you know christ um Mm -hmm. and that's that's what the celebration is around it's not about it's not about anything you did it's that he did and and we love him and we we praise him for saving us despite us not being justified and yeah that's celebratory it's yeah thank thank god for for saving me and not a well i'm not good enough <laughs> that I can exactly. see that somber tome. That that is intriguing. It felt like
1: it felt like New Year's mixed with a funeral. Mm. But like wow. kind of like a military funeral. Yeah. If you've ever been to like a military funeral, you kind of know the difference where it's like sure. a bit more like I, I I um I have a military family background. My grandfather fought in World War II on Guadalcanal, and our family lineage with military history it's all the way back to the Revolutionary War, where my great-times ten grandfather warned about the British coming. Mm. Paul Revere. Wow. Not heard of him.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I, you can see that kind of to your point there, though that it's very regimented, very mm-hmm. ritualistic, and and that kind of sense. Um, but yeah, not a lot of joy, not not much joy. Yeah. It's you're awful, <laughs> and yeah, there's a piece when we, when we start looking at at scripture. Um, if you look at the law, you're you're looking through Leviticus through through the Ten Commandments. There is a piece there of the law that shows, yep, you can't do that. You know, that whole honor your mother and father thing, you probably back talked at some point. You can't do this on your own. And that's a good thing. That's that brokenness of showing, yep, you're right. I can't do this. I do need a savior. And that points me to the cross, which is fantastic that we show I can't do this but guess what Christ did it for me. And that's exactly. beautiful. That is a beautiful coming together. But it almost seems here Jehovah's witness it's first off you have a worst version of the law to to begin with yeah. and th- that's it. You you're terrible. Work your way up, maybe you make it but probably not. Yeah. That's that's not very encouraging.
1: Yeah, it it wasn't and it was just it was really hard to kind of fit into like growing up because for being a religion like that was also like very cliquish mm-hmm. I mean I was kind of just one of those like teeny bopper little kids that was like nice to everybody as much as i like, be, and then like everybody else was like to a degree was nice to me I except for like this one friend of me I had who I thought we were friends because I was naive I was I was a sweet sweet summer child and so I told her I was like oh my god I don't and then immediately she went and told the elders because it was one of those religions where it was kind of like um it was actually i was i had a talk last night with my friend justin who um he was in prison for about 15 years and mm-hmm. so it's kind of like if an inmate has information about another inmate and they don't tell the guards then they get massively punished mm-hmm. and that was just striking similar similarity to my experience but I was like, wait, whoa, that was crazy. Because if I didn't go and tell somebody if I knew something, like this girl who like kissed another boy from a different congregation in the library of the Kingdom Hall, that like I would get in trouble if they found out I knew about it. Hmm. This is realty yeah. tea. Real tea based on relevance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And so yep. it always felt like everybody was looking at me. Everybody knew things. Like, yeah. I remember once when I was trying to figure things out and kind of toe. Back in kind of when I was fence sitting in my, like, when I was 20 before I met my husband. I remember um. I was kind of in a relationship with this other guy. And he wanted to take me on a street art tour in New York. Except the problem, there there were <clears throat> There were many problems with that if you have a fully developed brain. (laughs) But if you don't, and you were raised in a very, very sheltered environment, you don't see them. You only see the fact that, oh, no, Bethel is in New York. What happens if somebody sees me and spots me and tells my parents? doesn't matter that I'm 20. What if they tell my parents? Wow. I remember we finally get to New York. I had told them that I was hanging out with some backlights lights that had come down and I was going to be at my friend's house. And I <laughs> hid my Bible underneath my trundle bed. <laughs> Not my best moment, but, you know, it makes for an interesting story. Mm-hmm. And we get there, finally, to New York, after, like, taking a small break and, like, sleeping in a New Jersey parking lot in the car. And Jesse's there. Two jobs, 2 doing in-car witness. And I was like, they found me. They know. <laughs> I was just a significantly paranoid child, and yeah. I'm sure your background you can see why. <laughs> uh,
0: sure. That that to a somebody that's on the outside, like, wow, yeah, you're really making too much of that. That I've had Jehovah's Witness at my door, like that's common. Um, but to you, that makes all the sense in the world because yeah. That was not safe. You don't feel safe. So it felt real. Felt like that's, they're really going to come and get yeah. me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like hid behind him as we were like passing. I was like, they don't know me. They can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to like put on like, I like, you know how the chameleons just do that thing. And then they all of a sudden they're a different color. I tried to yeah. like tighten up and like do that thing. And I'm like, no, I'm a worldly person. Yeah. You don't know me.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um uh, now now since you've kind of been out of this it's been several years now yeah um do you feel your faith um and, and i don't mean this in any type of disparaging <laughs> way um we all have different doubts at, at certain times do you feel some of those old doubts that kind of creep back up um because of your experience or do you almost kind of feel the opposite that that your past experience has just really fortified your faith throughout the years?
1: Depending, like right now, my answer would be very different than three months in or three years in, where I was di- like, I honestly don't really care who knows this, but I was like diagnosed with CPTSD because mm-hmm. of all of like the Jehovah's Witness stuff. Sure. And because of that, I would have like really bad panic attacks and i would wake up in the middle of the night sweating and screaming that like armageddon was gonna come get me and i was gonna die at armageddon because the last thing my aunt and uncle said to me before they kicked me out of the house and kyle came and picked me up because they had assaulted me and i couldn't go to the police and be like yeah they assaulted me because it would just be a whole thing was your mom's gonna be so mad at us that we let you die at armageddon because of the fact that you're a piece of trash And so because of that, I used to wake up screaming and going, oh, my God, Armageddon's going to get me. But in my late teens, I automatically kind of thought I was going to die at Armageddon anyways. I wasn't good enough. Who was God to love me? Nobody loved me, really. And so because of that, I was just like, but then I kind of just pushed it away. I pushed it away, got through it. Then now the only time I really had an issue like that was right before I started my podcast and I had I had to ask some more like spiritually mature friends to see if this really was what it was but I had actually experienced some demonic oppression right before I started my podcast because I would just be going about my life getting ready for the podcast doing all sorts of things and I'd hear joe and I was like what the heck like, what? And it happened numerous times. It didn't matter if my husband was home. It didn't matter if he wasn't home. It didn't matter what I was doing, which time of day it was anything. And so I just hungered down and prayed and read the Bible way more because I was like, okay, yeah. now. But it's definitely fortified my beliefs that I'm on the right track with trusting Jesus and trusting the Bible. And for some reason the way I'm going about it now just feels so much more natural, like it's what I should be doing, as opposed to back when I was in the thick of it. With Jehovah's Witnesses.
0: Yeah. No, I I I think that's great and um completely makes sense why there will be some lasting effects from your time. And I, I would imagine those some of those to a degree with some of the scars will be there forever. You're, you're human and we don't yeah. just forget those times, but it's, it's exciting to see on, on your end of that faith being fortified of being able to have those relationships to, Hey, I'm struggling right now um, uh, and helping point point pointing you in the right direction. I, I yeah. that's, that's incredible. And it definitely points back to, to the creator that we believe that when he saves us, he, he keeps us that we we never leave his hand. Um, And I I think that's so, so powerful and so beautiful that in those weak moments, um, he's not.
1: Exactly. It's just like the apostle Paul said for when I am weak, that that's when, you know, God strengthens me and I'm the strongest.
0: Absolutely. So,
1: and that's, very much been my experience even the way I got saved the second time around because a couple years ago I well I have a chronic illness and bef- I was supposed to go on my first business trip and I was so excited because I'm still relatively on the younger side of like business things yeah. and I was like so amped and then I called my doctor because I was experiencing some weird symptoms and she's like you need to go to the hospital and I'm like mm-hmm but I have a flight at this time and I get to stay at this fancy resort and the company's paying for it and I don't want to miss out. And she's like, nope, you got to do it. Otherwise you're going to like faint and pass out on the airplane. And I was like, fine. <laughs> 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 you got, thankfully we very much had that relationship where I could be a little bit of a petulant child and she could be like, no, this is what you're doing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, she got her dream job. So she's no longer my doctor, but she's amazing. Um, And so I went to the hospital, and they made me stay. And they kept telling me, oh, you maybe can go home tomorrow. You maybe can go home tomorrow. You maybe can go home tomorrow. On and on for a week. And I was telling my boss, maybe I can go home tomorrow. I offered to Zoom in. It was a whole thing. I was so excited. And they were like, no, you shouldn't Zoom in. You're literally in the hospital. I'm like, okay, fine. (laughs) And then they got mad at me for not zooming in. But anyways. And so while I was in there, I was sleeping, but I had woken myself up because I was crying in my sleep because I was in so much pain. It was was the worst. And then all of a sudden, I see this, like, if you're not a Christian, this is going to sound crazy, but if you truly believe, like, I'll let you make your own mind up about what happened. I saw this bright light and I had never seen a light that bright before and it didn't seem to have a point of origin. And I was like, what the heck is happening? Especially because I wasn't supposed to be there. I wasn't supposed to be in that hospital room because they just kept telling me, oh, maybe you can go on tomorrow. And so the light came closer. And it said in this voice that I've never kind of heard a voice quite like this before. Would you like to pray together? And then when they Because the thing is, with the way the light was, I couldn't make out if it was a man, if it was a woman, if it was what it was. But they asked if I would like to pray. And I said, yes, I would like that very much. And so we prayed together. And then I felt this peace that I had never felt before since I was maybe a very young child. I finally felt that peace of God that is talked about in the scriptures.
2: Hmm.
1: And bef- when I was ready to like look, like I was like experiencing it in that moment and I was going to look up and thank that person or the light or whatever it was and by that time it had disappeared entirely. It had just vanished. Hmm. And I don't know what it was. The jury's still out, but I mean, now I'm a Christian, <laughs> through and through, more fortified and going strong than ever for the past few years. I
0: I, I think that just continually, um, where your where your focus is and where your faith is. Um, if my faith is in, uh. This is kind of a, a silly example, but uh, around these parts, college football is a big deal. If my yep. faith is in OU winning the football game, and that's it, then that's my God. It's not a very good God. Like if <laughs> if, if they lose, then I'm I'm kind of in trouble. Um, your faith, your God, could be Jehovah. We can make that we've kind of shown that that's not a very good god and that's exactly. the basis of why being in depth in in scripture knowing more about who god is being in a community of believers um that can help spur us on towards towards god that it's not about it's not about what i have done here it's about who i love who i'm serving um Absolutely. Awesome, awesome story. I, I think that it's there's so many different winds and turns. And honestly, I'm I'm kind of curious uh, of this. Um, mm-hmm. Have you considered doing um, anything further with your story of of a book or something of of that nature?
1: The thing is, we're friends, so I'll give you the fully transparent answer. Yeah. Not the first person who asked me that. I definitely. Because my story is wild from the day I was born, <laughs> mm. and it's one of those things where every time I go and I try to sit down and I try to write it, I try to find that break-in point, like yeah. you know if you've ever really written anything, and I just I can't make it work. <laughs> mm. I can't like, yeah. I feel like if I ever get to the point financially where I can hire a ghostwriter, mm. yeah. and just have some really solid conversations with that one, be like, this is what happened to ask me anything this is what happened ask me anything yeah that i'd be able to with their help turn something out that would be encouraging and interesting and mm. i mean it's me so i don't want to say fascinating because i'm not like i'm fascinating <laughs> but like other people say it is so it's yeah. one of those things where it's like it lends itself if a path becomes open to do something like that awesome I wouldn't turn it down. I wouldn't not consider it. Right. But at this point, I just trying to go it alone has been a bit tricky.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but just, I, I'm sure I won't be the last person to ask you. It just <laughs> is a on the outside looking in. Yeah, there's just so so much. And I, sharing your your story on here was awesome. But like you're saying, um, there's more to it, and that book format could be a better way to hash some of those things out to, uh, now i know it's way easier for me to say yeah write a book um but to actually do that is, is a whole other venture but yeah. uh
1: no hey if it was and the weird thing is i have written some stuff before and it feels like it's easier to go with something i can heavily research mm-hmm. as opposed to something i've heavily like lived through and obviously i yeah. lived through the entire thing it's my life but I don't
0: know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it, it does. It does. And there's definitely a more, obviously, an extremely personal angle to this too, um, which it's impossible for you to be completely unbiased writing your story. Like, you're going to be as biased as possible. You you lived it. Um, whereas you're researching something. Yeah, you, you're just reporting. You're looking those things up. So, no, I totally get what you're saying with that.
1: I feel like especially like with research, there's more you can sink your teeth into versus having lived experience, especially if you've been through a lot of traumatic things. Yeah. There's missing pages. There's kind of like this is your life story. Here are some pages that your brain tore out on you without asking for permission.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I could definitely see that. But yeah, maybe one day you'll get that ghostwriter or whatever. And I, I would be very interested in reading that should that should that day come.
1: I'm also going to be um doing a, I'm letting for my birthday month coming up. I'm letting my two of my best friends, Marissa and Sarah, take over my stream, and they're gonna ask me a ton of questions, and it's it should be a really good time. So, DM me if there's any questions that you want them to ask me, and I'll yeah. make sure I put that in. So it's at the base at Twitter. So
0: yeah. I think that's, that's great for, for anyone that's curious Uh definitely send that her way. Now, uh, one thing I'd like to end on with uh yeah. with most of my guests on here is again, just some more of that active type of tone. Um, you had some very active things that you have done through, throughout your life. Um, what are some just real practical things that those listening in the audience could, could maybe do to make some type of impact in their life? Does anything come to mind?
1: So there's kind of three things that I would land on there. The first thing to make an active impact in your life is definitely to be in his word as often as Mm -hmm. you can, because when you're in his word as often as you can, they it's easier to have those words transcribed on your heart. Yeah. And that way God and our love for God is able to show through all of our actions and through all of the things that we do as we're getting, you know, closer to him. The second thing I would recommend is using Public Square. It's an app. Yeah. I honestly recently downloaded it. I use some of the information off of it, like on their website. To be like, oh, this is a good brand. But really, looking at when it comes to voting with your dollar, where are those dollars going to? Yeah, it's definitely a hot topic right now with the whole target thing and the fact that i as <laughs> a basic white girl can't shop at target anymore <laughs> because of the horrible things that they're doing is a bit yes. tricky but it's what my husband told me to do and it's what i feel is right in my soul so yeah. that's what we're doing um yeah so just looking at those you know kind of the boycotts that seem like they can make the most impact, you don't have to boycott everything. It's impossible, and sure. some of them are easier than others because with Bud Light, you have a lot more you have a lot more choices. you have whiskey, you sure. have tequila, you have the option to just not drink at all. you yeah. know all sorts of different beers, but with Target sometimes it feels a bit more inconvenient. but sure. one of the things I like doing um when it comes to that is looking at the brands that actually do support. The change that you want to see in the world. And I'm fortunate where actually I made another new friend on Twitter. His name's Rob. He owns his own coffee company. It's called North Arrow Coffee. And they give 15% of all of their profits to pro-life causes, to pregnancy centers, to help those women to know that, you know, I feel like it's easy to get back into a corner and think that something's your only option. Yeah. Especially considering my life journey. But the work that they do over there to help those pregnancy centers, to help those moms and those babies make sure that they get what they need is so crucial. And on top of it, they have a great product. Like <laughs> my bestie has never, ever, ever like gotten super hyped up about a decaf coffee. Because de- <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of like the dust before decaf crowd myself.
2: Yeah, but
1: yeah. She said it was the most flavorful brew she's ever had. So if she feels that way about the decaf coffee, just imagine the regular coffee. It is absolutely delicious. So that's you know NorthRLCoffee.com, and if you use code Frida F-R-E-D-A, you can actually save 10% off yourself.
0: Hey, there you go. That, not only some some good things to think about. We have a super practical one that, we, and we even save you a little bit of money. So fantastic. Exactly. And I, I, I think your points there are really well taken and I really like your approach there that, Hey, like, like that target boycott that's going on right now. That's, that's the, that's probably one of the bigger ones I've seen in some time. Um, and, we actually had not been there for for a little while, and I, I try not to be like a holier than thou type of person, but uh, yeah. we saw things about some chest binders that they had like a year or two ago. And I'm like, eh, nope, out of there. Yeah. Um, and all that being said, yeah, yeah, you're not going to be able to do any and everything. And newsflash: most of the bigger companies, they probably hate your guts, even if they don't yeah. say it. <laughs> like that's just kind of the reality.
1: Exactly. So,
0: finding not just boycotting things, but finding things that are actually doing good things. Public Absolutely. Public Square app is wonderful. Um, it's a great idea to get involved with some local um, businesses that are have very similar values. Uh, North Arrow Coffee. Um, hey, I definitely encourage everyone to put that down in the description. Check them out. Um, yeah. That's just one quick thing that if your dollar's not doing perfect everywhere else, at least we're doing something here um exactly i I think that that's just real real practical good advice there
1: plus it I feel like sometimes when it comes to making a practical switch. It's harder when you feel like you're being inconvenienced versus versus when you feel like, oh, this is a change. And I'm actually getting something much better in return. Yes. Like making your North Arrow coffee, saving yourself money from going to, you know, for instance, Starbucks, which yeah. actually funds abortion for their employees. You can start your day knowing that you're making, you know, the right choice and maybe drinking some delicious pro-life coffee while you're in the word before you go and have a great day.
0: There you go. I I, I like that practicality. And um, I I would almost kind of add to that. uh, This goes to some of the, uh, uh, if you've done any Dave Ramsey, like financial peace stuff before, he talks about the debt snowball. And -hmm. what he means by that is you pay off one loan and then you pay off the next one and the next one and the next one, and just kind of builds up. do the same thing when it comes to your finances and and kind of voting with your dollar, um, of start with something like that real basic and then see if there's something else. Is there another brand, another thing that has a good alternative there and just go that way. Don't, Say I'm not going to shop at any big store ever starting tomorrow because that's probably not going to be true. Yeah. i um, are probably going to go against that. So start small and let it build up over time.
1: It's kind of exactly like that with like New Year's resolutions.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean – i am so guilty of like going to like some smoothie company and getting like kale and matcha smoothies thinking this is gonna be the time but then you drink it and you're like this is so bad and then you just throw it away and then you're like why did i do that yeah. i mean yeah. hopefully you're smarter than me and don't actually go for like the kale matcha first in the morning <laughs> especially if you don't like matcha But making those small, you know, changes that might feel small, might feel like, oh, is this worth doing? Because it doesn't feel like I'm doing a ton. But you're Mm -hmm. just replacing something that's going to be much better for you in the long run. Even I found this awesome new sunscreen because I'm super, super pale. And sunscreen is super important. But a lot of it, like, leaves you feeling, like, greasy and gross and stuff. And it's called Nimi, um, N-I-M-I, skincare. And I'm actually in the works to be a brand ambassador for them. Because oh. they are a conservative company that's all about faith, all about femininity, and all about freedom. And so once I got my code, I'll um, give that to you so you can share it with your audience yeah. if you'd like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think that banding together with, with like-minded people is just just so incredibly important. And and that might it be is. something that I'll kind of throw in there too is find friends. Find those Fox foxhole buddies, uh, kind of like you were you were talking about before. Um, don't just focus on oh, Target did this and it's terrible. Like, yeah, again, starting place. Yeah, you sh- you probably should be upset by that, but don't just stay there. Find people that you can be there alongside with, form relationships with, and not just sitting in that anger because that will eat you up, and eventually Absolutely. you're just going to be apathetic and hate everything, and that that's yeah. that's just not worth it. The point is to get red-pilled, not black-pilled. <laughs> exactly. That's a great <laughs> slogan. Yes. Black-pilled, you do nothing good for. No. You're, you're just a bum at that point.
1: Exactly. It's far too nihilistic when you're so numb from everything yes. going on.
0: Yes. Well, where where can the audience find you at?
1: So they can find me on um, Finding the Faith on Rumble. And then I am the Base babe everywhere else.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, if you search the base, babe, you're going to find her. So uh encourage everyone to do that. It was great having on and kind of going through your story. And yeah, everybody, please, please check her out. Go get some North Arrow coffee code Frida and you'll get your good, good tip percent off there. So uh, again, thanks for being on today.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me. And I'm so glad that we were able to meet on Twitter and have this, you know, beautiful conversation come out of it.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode and we'll just continue fighting for truth. Y'all take care.